Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Drafting relief pitchers, I thought used to be kind of easy, especially in a shallower league. Things have gotten a lot more difficult now. And on today's show, our relief pitcher preview, we certainly have to focus on different formats and different strategies. What do you do if it's a saves plus holds league, for example? Or maybe just don't play in those leagues, but a lot of people do. Welcome to the Relief Pitcher Preview. I'm Adam Azer with Scott White and Heath Cummings. No Chris Towers today. Heath told me that Chris hates me and hates Relief Pitchers and didn't want to be on the show. And doesn't like Scott very much. Oh, okay. (laughs) It all checks out. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Uh, I don't know where Chris is, but he'll be back on Monday when we will start recording, by the way, at 8.30 in the morning and getting these podcasts out a lot earlier. Uh, How are you feeling about Relief Pitcher this year, guys? Love it. I have nausea, heartburn, indigestion, <laughs> upset stomach, diarrhea. Ooh. But how do you feel about relief pitchers? <laughs> <laughs> wow. How, how graphic. Um, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be tricky and certainly a position that I've come to prioritize a little bit more over the uh, past couple of years. You guys feel the same way? More it, important now? Like I have, I think, always prioritized it the most on the podcast and not always been right in doing that. Um, And I am pretty close to where I've been in the past. I know Scott has generally been more of a waiter and I think called servers now Heath servers. (laughs) I am. I'm kind of at a philosophical crossroads here because relief pitcher, you know, I'm all about, it's kind of what, it's kind of what tears is about. I'm all about building in opportunities to wait in a draft and still get comparable impact, you know, further down. And and relief pitcher was always the place where I could count on doing that cuz saves are saves and you pretty much knew who was getting them going in and um you know, it it wasn't so clear where within the closer ranks the volatility was going to present itself. So I, I was I was very comfortable waiting there and and now I'm not and I haven't totally figured out what I think is the right approach to kind of the new world where we're dealing with here where um more and more teams are legitimately buying into the idea that there doesn't have to be a singular guy devoted to the ninth inning that it can be right. more of a committee there there was always talk of that but Last year was the first time where I think we really saw managers follow through with it, and now even more are talking about it. So it's it's uh, it, it's kind of scary. There are there are the dedicated, confirmed closers, and there are those that aren't. And unlike in past years where you trusted some guy would emerge eventually in a bullpen, I don't think you can anymore. Yeah, here's a stat that sort of sums it up. Here are the uh, the number of 40 save relief pitchers over the last four seasons. 40 saves. 5, 6, 3, 3. All right, that's whatever. How about 30 save relievers over the last four seasons? 20, 16, 11, and 11. So that means to me that you no longer, or I no longer, I'm like, well, he's on a crappy team. I don't really want him. Because if it's right. a if it's a legit closer who's going to get most of the save chances on a bad team like Shane Green, I don't want Shane Green because he's not good. But like Rice Iglesias last year had had thirty saves or a little bit more than that, and the Reds weren't that good. He's a good pitcher, so it doesn't you know it doesn't eliminate those guys and it puts those guys in a, a tough spot. You know, do you want the the primary closer on a bad team or a maybe better pitcher? Like a Sir Anthony Dominguez on a good team, but anyway, we'll get all into that. We do have to talk about Bryce Harper. Let's take a few minutes now away from relief pitcher. And if you're listening today is is March first. Hey, welcome to March, everybody. Season's about to start. Three weeks away. Um, if you're listening uh, at a later date, you're going back in time. You can skip all this if you'd like. But we just finished our outfield preview, and I think we all sort of felt at one point that Bryce Harper was going to be a Philly. And then recent news indicated maybe he wasn't going to be. But he is a Philly, 13 years, $330 million. Uh, anything changed with you guys with Bryce Harper and where you're ranking him? I didn't actually move him in my rankings because I already had him so much higher than the consensus. And 
you know, maybe I could talk myself into moving him back ahead of Yelich after just moving him behind him. But he is he is right there at the end of my first round. I think twelfth overall, maybe thirteenth overall in Roto. Um, this is obviously a good scenario for him. Great park. It's a much better scenario than San Francisco would have been, where he probably would have been moving him down. Uh, and, and I think you know, I think he still has the upside to be the third best hitter in baseball if he can stay healthy and be consistent. I moved him up a couple of spots because I was baking in a little bit of concern about San Francisco. Not much. Um, I've got him ninth now in Roto, eighth in points. And I think he has number one overall potential. You have him L- eighth listen. overall, right? And ninth, in yes. over, not an yes. outfield. Yeah, yeah. Right. And like, I don't think park factor matters too much to a hitter of Bryce Harper's quality, except for a place like San Francisco or if he'd gone to the Yankees. But there is a significant difference in the park home run park factor between the, his new park and his old park. His old park in Washington was 5% worse for left-handed power hitters than the average park. This park rates at a 108 for left-handed power hitters. This is a fantastic spot for him and a fantastic lineup. If he stays healthy and is good Bryce Harper, he's right there with, with Betts and Trout. Except steals, right? Scott, I know you were concerned about Segura's steals with Gabe Kapler as, as his manager. And, we never know what Harper's going to give us in steals. He has an 18-steal season, a 21-steal season, 13 last year, but four the year before, six in 2015. Uh, give me a best guess on steals with Harper. Uh, eight to ten. I was going to say six to ten, um, but I do think the best version of Bryce Harper in this park um, is well ahead of Trout and Betts and home runs. Yeah, I think the question is... Uh, is, is it who's the fourth outfielder off the board? I mean, I think a lot of people are going to go, well, who's the third? Uh, it's For you, it's J.D. Martinez, but it's Trout, Betts. Then, I, you know, you guys are going to be Martinez. Some people might take Harper there. And then Scott still has Yelich ahead of uh, ahead of Harper, I believe. I've got Harper. Well, I mean, the industry consensus. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's changed drastically with, with him signing here. Um, though I, I think it's... I think it's hard to justify changing it that much because of his point that a player of Harper's caliber, you know, park effects only go so far. Uh, but and you're factoring in the downside too. I mean, clearly Harper has a lot more downside than some of the first round hitters. But yeah, his ADP I think is 20th overall right now. I suspect it goes up, but I don't think it goes up all the way into the top 12. And if you're debating Yelich. Or Harper, you know, it's not to say that Yelich doesn't walk and doesn't have a good OBP. He had a 402 OBP last year, but I, if it's an OBP league instead of batting average or any league that counts walks, I'm going to go with Harper there because you know that batting average might be one thing that drags him down, but you know he's going to get on base. You know he's going to have good plate discipline, and that you know that would be something that would give him an edge in my book over Yelich. And, um, and and we don't know yeah. what his batting average is going to be. Right? It, no, he it could. Might be, it might be something that drags him down, or he might be amongst the league leaders. Exactly. I know. I know. But I think it's crazy. But right. But we know Yelich is going to have a good batting average. Yeah. Harper, we think when he's healthy, should have a good batting average. He's awesome, and I'm excited about him. He should not I, be the twentieth pick, that's for sure. I'm well. Yeah. I mean, I don't rank it that way either. I'm excited by what it means for the whole Phillies lineup because you look at what. Who figures to be the top four in that lineup now? In some order, it's Andrew McCutcheon, Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, JT Real Muto. All high on base guys. There's that's I think the really interesting part for a couple of guys, and one of them I think just suffered an injury, and we'll see how bad it is. But but I've seen projections with both Cesar Hernandez and Gene Segura hitting either first or second and yeah. Real Muto in, in the fifth, fifth or sixth spot. If one of those guys ends up sandwiched between McCutcheon or just ahead of Harper, that's going to change their value pretty significantly. I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Segura scores 110 runs if he's batting first or second for the Phillies and would, yeah. would be because he scores, he's average is almost a hundred runs as it is. 
And he'd be, I think, among the league leaders. Uh, all right, so Cesar Hernandez hurt his hip. That's what Heath was alluding to. We don't know the severity of it right now. It was great. It's a grade one. So that's the lowest grade. Okay. That's positive. Uh, Toronto signed Bud Norris to a minor league deal, which could be significant because he was not bad last year as a closer. And I, I mean, Ken Giles is kind of an example of where I feel like Ken Giles is a guy who's going to be on a bad team but could get 30 saves, and that could make him top 12. But Bud Norris, minor league He's- deal. You saw what happened with Ken Giles yesterday, right? No. Uh, four runs, two hits, three walks, no outs. Ah, eh, eh, whatever. <laughs> but, th- but that's what Ken Giles, like, he has. Was had it a save situation, like Heath? I don't know. It was definitely not no. a save situation. <laughs> he did not blow one save last year. Strangest <laughs> season in relief pitcher history. Um, Toronto signed Clay Buckholtz. Uh, we can talk about that if we need to on the starting pitcher preview, but he was, like, surprisingly good. Last year, and Atlanta's got some injuries in their rotation. Mike Soroka is not going to be in the opening day rotation. That could open the door for Tuki Toussaint, but also Mike Fultonevich and Kevin Gosman. They have hopefully minor injuries right now. And, and Luis Gohara. And Luis Gohara. Wow. So, uh, Scott, uh, 15 seconds on the Braves rotation. Go. Well, they had more than a rotation's worth of arms competing for the fifth starter job. So, I. I think it might be a little exciting if, and it doesn't sound like any of these are severe enough to keep them from being on the opening day rotation except for Soroka. But if it does, like if all these players have a short DL stint to start the season, that's going to give more audition time for guys like um, uh, Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright, who had a great first spring start. And it, it might be kind of fun. It might It might give the Braves a chance to vet these guys a little further pick the right one okay so let's get back to relief pitcher here we of course will look at adp uh competitions format changes all that stuff i gave the stat about the amount of 30 save relievers over the last four seasons i'll just give it again 20 16 11 and 11 um so 30 saves is pretty good these days and then just to know that you know the correlation between being on good teams and getting save chances and being on bad teams and getting save chances I looked at the top 10 teams last year and save opportunities, bottom 10 teams. Basically, good teams at the top, bad teams in the bottom. There are some exceptions. The Nationals had surprisingly low amount of save chances. The Indians were had the ninth fewest. The Indians, it's so weird. They like I feel like they're always low in save chances. Um, it co- is weird. It's really weird. Uh, the only, only sub-500 team, I think, that was in the top 10 in save opportunities last year was the Giants. They were ninth. But... It's no secret. Good teams get more save chances. Um, all right, let's start with this. I know this is unusual. I've never done this before on a position preview, but I want to go through every single team as of March 1st. And, I mean, this could be really quick. It could be a one-word answer, two-word answer, first name, last name. And you just tell me, is there a set closer? So let's start in the National League East. Um, I'll give Scott the National League East. Atlanta Braves. No. No, it's, it's not gonna Vizcaino? be it's between Viscaino and AJ Minter, and I think I think Viscaino will get the lion's share, but I, I think Minter could overtake him and I think there could be some lefty righty stuff going on. Miami Marlins. No. Between Sergio Romo and Drew Steckenrider, I would think Steckenrider has the leg up, but Don Mattingly has he's one of those managers who's kind of said he he's he's not looking to have a dedicated closer. Mets. Yes. Yes. Edwin Diaz. Yes. Uh, Phillies. Definitely not. Uh, <laughs> they got David Robertson, who's more proven in the role than anybody they had last year, but Gabe Kapler just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't buy into your bullpen roles. Mm-hmm. So I think I don't see Robertson getting 30 saves this year. Uh, Hector Neris was great down the stretch last year after a bad start. Dominguez will get some saves. Um, Sir Anthony Dominguez, yep. There was a report today that they could consider Kimbrell. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, that that might. I wonder if that would be enough to win Kapler over to the designated closer. You would think so. I, I, I would think Kimbrell wouldn't sign there if he wasn't assured that. But who knows? Nationals, Scott. Yes, yes, Sean Doolittle. All right, Heath. Would you like so that? The... Was what two of five? Two of five. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tally the teams so far that have set closers: Mets and Nationals thus far. Um, Heath, would you like the NL West or Central? I'll take the Central. Okay, Cubs. 
Yes, to start the year, but no overall. Uh, Pedro Strope is going to be the Cubs' closer at the start of the year. Yes, Pedro Strope, uh, five straight seasons with a sub-3 ERA for the Cubs. Cincinnati Reds. Yes, Rysel Iglesias. Even though he won't get all the save chances, he is their closer. So you think I can put that on the list? I, I think he's a yes. He had 30 saves yeah, last year. I'd put it on the list. Okay. Brewers, <laughs> LOL. No, not, not at all. They have like five guys who would be very good closers, and there's at least two, Jeremy Jeffress, three, Jeremy Jeffress, Corey Knable, and Josh Hader, who should be drafted and will get some saves, but I would be surprised if any of them get 25. So I, I think, what do you think, that Corey Knable would have the best chance of being the closer? Do you agree with that? It, it's He's certainly being drafted that way. He's most proven as a closer, I think, uh, you know, the, you look at what he did in September after coming back. It was ridiculous how dominant he was. And yet Jeremy Jeffers was getting the saves in September and had a really good year himself. So, I yeah, Knable's the first. Well, you know what? Hater's the first one. Hater's the, Hater's the first one, yeah. But we don't think he's going to be the closer. He's too valuable. No, he, right. he, he If anybody's going to take the job and run with it, he's the least likely. Hater. Hater. Yeah, Knable, September, no earned runs in 16 and a third. Three walks, 33 strikeouts. And then in the postseason, he pitched 10 innings. He gave up one run, 14 strikeouts, 20% swinging strike rate. The reason why I'd prefer Knable over Jeffress is Jeffress is a ground ball pitcher, so his whip is a little high. You know, he had a 1-2-1 whip last year with a 172 ERA, uh, so he's going to hurt you a little bit in that category. Okay, uh, Pirates. Yes, Felipe Vasquez will be their closer. Okay, they are on the board. Uh, Cardinals. No. Although Jordan Hicks um, has got off to a good start in the spring, I think has the best chance of being the closer. They have Andrew Miller, and there was again some speculation that if Carlos Martinez can't be a starter, that might be really bad for Jordan Hicks. John Brebbia also not bad, under underrated pitcher there. So they have options. All right, so far we have the Mets, Nationals, Reds, and Pirates. Although this isn't to say that these teams won't have a set closer at some point. Like, Jordan Hicks, as he mentioned, he could get the job, right? Just they, as a they have said know. they're going to play it based on matchups. Mm-hmm. So I think Andrew Miller probably has five to ten saves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's do the Scott NL West and start with the Diamondbacks. No, though I think they will have one. It's between Greg Holland and Archie Bradley. My money's on Holland. How about Colorado. Yes. Uh, right. yes. Yes. Wade Davis. Yes. Wade Davis. Yeah. Dodgers. Kenley Jansen. Yep. Um Padres. Look, look at look at the NL West giving us three teams, right? The Padres. Yeah, I I don't totally trust because uh, Andy Green oh, has gone the gone the committee route in the past, but I I do think it's Kirby Yates. I, I would put him in the yes column. All right, we're putting him on the board. Yes, and San Francisco. No, they don't have a set closer, uh, and I'm not totally confident they will. Mark Melanson is challenging Will Smith there. It should be Smith, but Mark Melanson is owed a lot of money and is supposedly healthy, finally. Seven out of 15 teams in the National League. Mets, Nationals, Reds, Pirates, Rockies, Dodgers, Padres, we feel have a set closer as of right now, March 1st. Heath, uh, give me a division you'd like to talk about in the American League. I'll take the Central. All right, cool. let's go with the Central. Chicago White Sox. No, but Alex Colomay does currently have the uh, a leg up on Calvin Herrera as the closer, but it's not been determined yet. Cleveland Indians. Yes, Brad Hand. Bird in the hand. Yes, we like Brad Hand. Uh, Detroit. Yes, they have a set closer to start the year. No, I don't expect he'll keep the job for the whole year. Shane Green is not very good. Joe Jimenez, I think, could be good. So I like him in as NAL only leagues as a late speculative source. But Shane Green is their closer at the start of the year, so yes. All right, they are on the board. Detroit, Kansas City. No, and Ned Yost has uh, been pretty vocal about not having a set closer. I would expect right now that Brad Boxberger is going to lead the team in saves. Uh, Willie Peralta is also there and got some saves last year. And in the dark horse that probably won't make the team out of spring training is uh, Richard Lovelady. All right, and then Minnesota. No. And I think there's – I disagree with the consensus on who it's most likely to be. They've got Blake oh. Parker. Trevor May is the most popular source. 
They have a couple other guys as well. Trevor May's strikeout to walk rate last year, fresh off Tommy John surgery, by the way, where you'd normally expect control issues. But his strikeout to walk ratio was phenomenal, and he did. I mean, it was only three saves, but he was closing at the end. <laughs> so I, th- I do think he's their best option. But yeah, that's that I feel like is the most wide open of any of the races. I'm betting on Blake Parker, but you don't have to take him until the very end of the draft. And this one's sort of exciting, the Twins, because they, I mean, the, they could be good. They, they they could be solid, you know, like a 500. You guys feel that way? They could be a 500 team? Or? Oh, I I think mm-hmm. they are like one of my sneaky teams to, like, upset a huge favorite in the division. Okay, yeah, the huge favorite's obviously Cleveland, but um, Trevor May had a 320 ERA, but he made one start, and it was terrible. If you just look at his relief appearances... He had a 185 ERA, a sub one whip in 23 relief appearances with five walks, 36 strikeouts, and 24 and a third. So uh, I know Scott very high on Trevor May. Heath is, is leaning Blake Parker there, but, uh, okay. So that means we have just Detroit, Cleveland and Detroit. All right, Scott, let's do the AL East. Baltimore. They're saying no. But I don't see who else it would be other than Michael Givens. We can't call him a closer, though, because they're going to win like 12 games. <laughs> no, he's a closer. He's a closer. You um, haven't listened. I, I'm going to put Givens in the yes column, but I would understand if somebody didn't want to. Uh, Red Sox, no, they're a no, but who are we looking at? Matt Barnes is the is the stated front runner, and his he, he certainly has the strikeout ability of a closer. I think he had like 14 per nine last year. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was some, I, th- I think there was some, had a b- high BAPIP or something that kind of inflated the numbers. Or maybe well, he, it was he. He walked four under- and a half per nine. He's, he's definitely yeah, not a control artist, that, Matt Barnes. Right. He had some walk. And yeah, there, there's that too, but I don't think that's prohibitive for a big bat missing closer. But yeah, there's True. also Ryan Brazier who doesn't miss many bats. And I, I think it should be Barnes. Okay. Uh, Yankees, yes, with Chapman. Rays, definitely not a yes, but who are we looking at for the Rays? De- yeah, definitely not. They were among the teams that were most into the committee last year, but Jose Alvarado, like, there's not really anybody who has a clearer claim to it than him. He's left-handed, which I think hurts with a manager who's already, uh, already looking at, already inclined to go committee, but Jose Alvarado is clearly the best option. Yeah, I noticed, I mean, guys that I, I really just didn't know much about. Diego Castillo, Chaz Rowe, Ryan Stanek, they had good years for the, for the Rays. Yeah. yeah, Castillo's interesting. They also have a, uh, somebody who hasn't debuted yet. I haven't committed the name to memory yet, but he's, he's been turning heads this spring with how hard he is to hit. I think he's another left-hander. I'll see if I can find the name here real quick, but you can go ahead and ask me the next team. Toronto. Yes. It looks like Ken Giles is the guy there, at least for as long as he can keep it together, which, I mean, he he has good stuff, but obviously it went horribly for him in Houston, and I have a hard time making a big investment in him because of that. Ken Giles so, in save situations, .35 ERA, did not blow one save. Ken Giles in non-save situations, 9-12 ERA. It's just weird. It's just weird. Colin Posh, P-O-C-H-E. I think that's how you pronounce it. That's the reliever in the Rays bullpen, the lefty, who seems like he could factor into the closer mix. He had 110 strikeouts in 66 innings last year with a .82 ERA. Posh Spice, team name Tuesday on a Friday. All right, finally, Heath, the American League West, the Astros. Uh. Yeah, the Astros definitely have a closer, Roberto a full-time Osuna. closer. Yep. My current number one closer, Roberto Osuna. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. Really? He's, he's first in your relief pitcher he's rankings? He's first in my relief pitcher rankings. Ooh, nice. That's yeah, I, I didn't. Course. I, I feel like that's not a bad call, and he doesn't get drafted well, he doesn't. Way. He doesn't miss bats nearly the level of the, the Kimbrels, the Diaz's, the Chapman's. That's true. He didn't, certainly didn't last year. All right, so Ozuna, so Houston, yes. Um, uh, the Angels. Yes, they acquired Cody Allen, and there could be some concern that he doesn't keep the job, but uh, he's currently a top 12 closer for me right now. Oakland, yes, with Blake Chinon. 
Yep. Texas, and they have like seven other closers just in case he gets hurt. Texas, yes, with Jose LeClerc, which means are we going with a clean sweep in the AL West with Seattle? Not yet. I think there's a good chance if we did this podcast in two or three weeks, the answer would be yes. I think that they have not, I've not heard anything out of them saying they don't want to. Hunter Strickland is the leader as the mm-hmm. closer. Uh, Anthony Swarzak, if he gets healthy, has a chance to compete for that role. But I'm expecting it to be Strickland. In conclusion, if we don't include Seattle, out of 30 baseball teams, we have established that right now on March 1st, 16 teams have a set closer. This really changes the way you draft. Mm-hmm. So um, let's get into it. Let's talk about how we're drafting closers. And do you have a set rule? I want one of my top blank closers. <laughs> well, it sounds like 16, to... right? Uh, well, and not yeah. even that because I don't fully trust Giles. Uh, I actually trust not, Cody Allen a little he's more. Not on, oh, he is on here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have to get one of my top 15, I feel like, in either format. And, you know, it'd be great if I could get two. I think sometimes in a roto league, I want to do it in a points league, but in a roto or categories league, if one of Diaz or Trinan, who are my top two, if they slip to like round seven, then I'll be willing to pay up for them and then there's a very good chance i'll get them and somebody like a jose leclerc or kirby yates and end up with two of that group but i would i def, i feel like i have to get one this is so 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 dependent on format uh in roto i i really would like to have two of my top 17 okay well let, let's let me take a step back and talk about the formats right so head-to-head points leagues for us it's it's almost it's always five starters, two relievers. And right. a- among the relievers, you can use starting pitchers who are eligible there, like Carlos Martinez, Tyler Glass now, Kenta Maeda, Colin McHugh, and they give you a leg up, and we'll touch on that. So you're talking not a huge urgency, at least in the past when we had a lot more set closers. Things are a little bit different now, um, but uh, but more options in head-to-head points leagues. Heath just said Roto. You know, our standard roto is nine pitcher spots, anything you want. Now, I think a lot of people used to do six and three. I think I'm more inclined to start the season with seven and two and then just see kind of what, what develops on waivers. Uh, I don't know. You know, Heath, what would you, so you said two of your top 15 in roto? Yeah. And then I want another guy late that I think is going to get some saves. I, I want to start six and three. There are drafts. If starting pitchers go early, I may end up five and four. And I'm okay with that. And, but that doesn't necessarily mean four closers, right? That might include a, a Josh Hader or an right. Andrew Miller. Okay, right. Um, which, when we're talking about our top 17, in a head-to-head, Josh Hader might be there, but I'm not counting, or in a point, or categories, I'm not counting him as one of the guys that I want. I want to get two guys that are getting saves, that I feel good about getting saves. So what about a head-to-head categories league? These are the trickiest ones. I mean, this is like we could do a whole podcast based on head-to-head category strategy. Well, yeah, and we and, and it's it's one hundred percent dependent on your starting pitcher requirements, your innings limits or minimums. In, in a wild, wild west type situation, I'm very fond of just going RP heavy. I'm probably going to try to get one of the top five or six. I'm probably going to get two of the top twelve, and I'm going to stockpile guys with good ratios and just try to win three out of five pitching categories meaning in a in a league with no specific pitcher a head-to-head categories league where you don't need to start a specific number of starters or have an innings right. minimum or anything yeah right. it's wild it's west idea. <laughs> we can we can wow we can which, wow. which is the format i prefer for head-to-head categories but i'm the only one on the podcast yeah i mean i i don't really like it but i i have certainly uh scott and i, I think certainly warmed up to that strategy in that format, when you don't need an innings minimum or or set starting pitchers, which is what it is in our for the people podcast yeah. league. Yeah. You guys think you're going to make the playoffs this year? Yes, I do. Now that we know to well, just load up on relievers, yeah. I, I my confidence is shattered <laughs> in that league. I, <laughs> but back to, it doesn't it doesn't normally take me this long how to to figure out how to be good at a game. But back to the been. back to the uh, points league discussion. I'm not really concerned about relief pitcher in a points league if one of those top 12 guys really falls i'll go after him but i'm i'm really happy with kenta maeda with tyler glass now with colin McHugh, and even as my second rp I, i'm i'm fine with brad keller and don't forget about julio urias 
All right, Scott, get in there. Talk strategy at closer, reliever. So, like I said, I, I have to get I have to get one of the. We started with Scott talking strategy about relievers. Well, but not in formats. Uh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, not okay, format so, specific. So to to reiterate, <laughs> one of one of the top fifteen, one of the one of the leaving out Ken Giles, one of the ones we know is closing, and that's true in all formats. In a points league, I'm still comfortable waiting as long as I can to to fill that second relief spot unless there happens to be a spark who lasts longer than i expect like a tyler glass now or kenta maeda you know if i get them at a good value fine sure i'll i'll capitalize on that um but you know it's 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 hard to build up a big enough starting pitcher staff too that i don't necessarily want them confined to my relief pitcher spot so even if i did draft one of them i would still probably take a guy who i thought was going to be in line for saves, but wasn't totally sure late. I mean, the 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 it's it's easier to do in a points league because you don't care so much about what the ERA and WHIP looks like. You just want them getting saves. And two, there are you know every team has only two relief pitcher spots to fill, so there are going to be some who don't get drafted at all. So that's how I approach points leagues in roto or a wild west categories league. I I would be more inclined to go six and three still, or even five and four, like Heath was saying, than seven and two. Because part of the trade-off with more teams going with committees at closer is you need you you kind of need to to um to get a competitive save total. You might have to divide it between more spots with with guys like Josh Hader and Andrew Miller. Um, not all. I, I would still prefer to go six and three, but five four is something I've done before. You know, maybe like a Jager, Jeremy Jeffers is my ninth pitcher, and uh, you know, then at least you're doing well in the ERA and WHIP. You're hopefully going to be competitive in saves. It hurts a little in wins and strikeouts, but everybody's kind of in the same boat as far as that goes. Uh, I just want to reference the head-to-head points league that we just did. Uh, and who our closers are. Mine are Chapman and Wade Davis. I did not want, I think, I feel like Wade Davis fell a little bit, but I did not want to be weak there. I guess, I, I guess I don't feel quite as confident as you guys and just, well, I shouldn't say that. I, I feel like you can use the waiver wire to, to, to deal with that second relief pitcher spot, but I like the value for Davis. So I have Chapman and Davis. Scott has Iglesias and Leclerc, and Heath has Trinan and Corey Knable. Um, so, Canable maybe won't work out. All right, so you'll go to the waiver wire and try to find something there. But I'm sure it was a late pick. <clears throat> I also drafted Ryan Brazier, I think, uh, and Matt Barnes. Is that right, or is that a different draft? Canable might have been like my 21st round pick. He really fell in that draft. Yeah, I took I took Brazier with my last pick. So because um, I'm a Brazier guy, I'm ho- I, I you know I feel like he's better than Barnes. I just I know the strikeouts aren't as good, but but it is a toss up. No, Barnes is the favorite. So maybe I should take it, Barnes. Um, anyway, we all have. I have Chapman. Heath is Trinan. Scott has Iglesias. Uh, I invested he- most heavily on a second closer. Scott has Leclerc as a second closer. Heath has uh, Corey which is Cable. one of the fifteen guys. So I got two of the fifteen guys in this league. Yeah. All right. So there's that. And then you know, in roto, like a standard roto league, season long, just counting the stats in each category, it's different than those wild, wild west leagues because you don't want to punt. Wins and strikeouts. Like you do not, you cannot punt two categories. That is, I think, a bad idea. So, um, I, none of us do that. So, no. Uh, although he, I, I feel I, like you did something similar to that two years ago. Like half the year you did that, and then you transitioned. I kind of did something like that last year. Oh, last I, mean, I started five and four last year, which isn't punting, but it is sacrificing. And then I just streamed. I ended up with three relievers for most of the second half. And you won the league. I ran away with it. Uh, a lot of people are playing in saves plus holds leagues. How do you change in a saves plus holds league? I don't go very hard after saves, probably. Uh, if you're not getting up, if you're not getting somebody who you think has a shot at forty saves, then I'm not sure it's really worth it because there are so many 
pitchers out there who can provide holds. They never provide them in as high, like the league leaders in holds are never as high as the league leaders in saves, which is why, you know, I want 40. If I'm going to, if, if, it, if I'm going to pay for saves, I want 40. Right, right. But there, there's so much, the league leaders in holds, there are many who are basically in the same range. And talent matters more. And talent always matters the most. But the guys like Sir Anthony Dominguez and David Robertson, guys like Knable, Hayter, and Jeffress, they all get elevated in the saves plus holds league because they're probably going to get both. And another guy who I think would benefit or another situation is when you look at the Diamondbacks guys, like Greg Holland. He's useless to you if he doesn't win the job in a saves league. But in a saves plus holds league, okay, he's he's worth drafting no matter what. It, it, the only question is, is Greg Holland still good? I yeah. think he is. Yeah, because that's – That is a question. To Heath's point, you have to prioritize you – because know, basic, basically every good reliever is getting holds, right? Yes. They're going to be right. between 15 and 20 holds, maybe even more. So the very best relievers are the main ones you're targeting, at least once the, the huge saves guys are off the board. So maybe that's not the best example, but the point is if you're worried – if you like a pitcher – and you're just worried about, oh, he's not going to get the saves. Well, you don't really have to yeah. worry about that as much in a saves plus holds leagues. Uh, yeah, league. somebody like uh, Jose Alvarado. All right, so I think that covers strategy. We'll do some sleepers, breakouts, and busts, and then we will get into uh, – we have to probably talk about Sparps for, sh- yeah, for sure. And we'll get into uh, ADP. And we're coming right back after this short break. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, so when is the earliest you'll take a closer? Let me start with that, or a relief pitcher. When's the earliest? Round seven. That's what I've been looking at, too, and specifically in a categories league. I don't think I'd do it in a points league. I could see myself doing round six if I just hated everything else, but so far that scenario hasn't come along. So you're not getting Edwin Diaz? He's I've come very close. Early. I've come very close to getting Diaz. It was I've had drafts where it was between him and one other guy, and I went with the other guy. Uh, it's it's uh, it's been cut, like I think I assume he's the consensus number one. He's first in ADP and everything. I feel like he should be, but. By far, there have, been, <laughs> there have been drafts where I've seen Trinan go first, drafts where I've seen Kimbrel go first, drafts where I've seen Chapman go first. Never seen Ozuna go first, Heath. But, That's what I love about him. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But yeah, it's, it's, it, there doesn't seem to be much consistency, at least based on my personal experience. Okay. Yeah, and, and Diaz, 48th in ADP. Uh, next up is Trinan, 62nd in ADP. And then... Uh, then it, there's a little bit of a run as soon as Trinan comes off the board. Of course, every draft's going to be different. Uh, Sparps. So who's your top Sparp, that's starting pitcher as relief pitcher? Who's your top RP-eligible starter? 
I've got Glass now just ahead of Maeda right now, and they're separated from the field. But you have Carlos Martinez still ahead of all of them, right? No, I've I've buried him. Wow. Well, not, I don't know if I've buried him. I still have him ranked ahead of the consensus. But okay, I still have him ahead. Uh, obviously, much further down than he was at the start of the year. I'm very concerned he's not a starter this year. But if he's not a starter, there's a good chance he's factoring into the saves mix. And, of course, there's still a reasonable chance he is a starter, in which case he probably has top five potential as a reliever. So I, I'll, I keep him first for now, but I want him at a big discount. Who are the Sparps that get drafted? Martinez, Glasnow, Maeda. Uh, McHugh. Yep, Colin McHugh, who is only RP eligible right now, but five starts in, he'll be SP eligible. Looks like he has a job already locked up in Houston. In Keller. Yeah, Brad Keller. I mean, in a points league, you don't care so much that he's not getting the strikeouts. A great ground ball pitcher should get innings. Brandon Woodruff, I've seen, start to go a lot in points leagues. And an interesting point on Woodruff. There was a report out of Milwaukee yesterday that Woodruff – uh, Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns are all on equal footing in that competition, and they're all they all have potential as Sparps. All of them. Okay. Uh, well, well, Peralta Peralta's be not. A Peralta's oh. just a starter. Yeah, but Corbin okay. Burns would, and and so would Woodruff. I I would still bet it's going to be Woodruff. He started their first playoff game. He has the most major league experience. But who knows? Ross Stripling gets drafted sometimes. Julio Urias is going to get drafted now. Mm-hmm. Um. Yanni Chirinos is just RP eligible? No, I think he's dual. Okay. He's he, dual. He gets drafted occasionally, too. Ryan Yarbrough, probably even more than Chirinos. Uh, yeah, but he's hurt now. Okay. Uh, all right, then. Let's do sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Scott, who's your favorite uh, favorite sleeper reliever this year? My favorite sleeper reliever... I'm not sure which of these to classify as a sleeper. Probably Jordan Hicks. I I have, you know, Carlos Martinez could mess it up. I don't think Andrew Miller's going to mess it up. I think the way they describe how they're going to use Andrew Miller is kind of how Cleveland used him, which was never as many saves as we were hoping for. And Jordan Hicks, there's a lot of momentum with his slider, the development of his slider. He's now the hardest thrower in baseball ahead of even Veroldis Chapman. And that slider looks like it has big swing and miss potential. He's a guy, Hicks is a guy I like drafting a lot, either as my second close reliever if I'm, you know, going the budget route or sometimes even third. I feel pretty safe with him. But I, I also would I also consider Matt Barnes and Greg Holland to be sleeper favorites of mine because if they do win the job, I think they'll be full-time closers. That's a good job covering all of the possible sleepers. Well, oh, there's, sorry, one. Sorry, no, there's, there's one that Scott didn't say that he's talked about in previous episodes that I feel like you should have on your sleeper list, and that's Pedro Strope because you seem to feel like he's got a good chance to just take the job, keep the job, and, and have Brandon Morrow be a, a total bust for fantasy. That's that's what yes. that's kind of how I interpreted what you said. That seems you want to throw plausible. three or four names out there before you ask me who mine is. I mean, you, I only <laughs> expanded on one, so you can expand on any of the others. Go ahead, Heath. Who are your sleepers? <laughs> I'm just giving one because the the notes say sleeper, not sleepers. You could see. Uh, you know what? I think Cody Allen is still being drafted too late, and I expect that he's going to be a borderline top twelve closer, probably top twelve in rotisserie. He may get beat by a couple of the Sparps in points leagues. But he had a bad year last year. I'm still willing to bet on the track record. I don't think he just lost it at age 29. And I expect the Angels to give him every opportunity to be the full, full-time full closer. Unless he's going to be Scott's breakout, I would have also thought Trevor May would show up in the sleepers. But who's your breakout, Scott? Mm. Yeah, I just I haven't been drafted. I like the skills of May. I haven't drafted him anywhere because there are just too many bodies there. It's a little scary for me. Um, this probably doesn't feel fit into the breakout. Doesn't you know, under the breakout Here moniker. Here is a not breakout <laughs> as neatly. Well, I mean, any of the last three I gave you could call a breakout. But I just, I just want to throw some love Jose Leclerc's way because I don't think he is getting drafted as high as he should. Especially now that we know uh, Chris Woodward has said he is the closer. 
his ratios were elite last year. He was in the top five in most every category you could care about for a pitcher. FIP, um, I don't think strikeout rate was quite top five, but it was very good. ERA, hit rate, his hit rate is ridiculous. He's like two years in a row now, less than five per nine. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's dominant and he had, he's a full-time closer. And if he's my number one, that's good enough for me. Yeah. There's one red flag with LeClerc. His walk rate in three seasons, 7.8, 7.9, and 3.9. Now, if he yeah. made an adjustment, because down the stretch, last 29 games, he had only eight walks in 28 and two-thirds, and he, he had a .63 ERA. He was amazing. I think the key number you said was 28 and a third. That's like well, four no, starts. I mean, what was his but walk the whole rate season, last year? The whole season was 3.9, so that's Which perfectly fine. fine. For Which is fine for uh, overpowering. I mean, most most of the closers we think of as overpowering, dominant, elite bat missers totally shut down, began their their careers with control issues. Chapman, certainly. Kimbrell, certainly. I don't think Diaz did, but most of them did. That's just kind of what that, – that comes with the territory when you have that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and, and I think their bullpen stinks. So, I, I mean, I like Jesse Chavez, Sean Kelly, I'm not sure that he's going to lose his job if he struggles early. But I also think the Rangers kind of stink. So, um, but like we said, thirty saves is pretty good these days. And uh, all right, so uh, Heath, breakout. I'm going to go with Brad Hand, and he's been awesome for three years in a row. Three years in a row with an ERA below three. Three years in a row with a lot of appearances. Um, Thirteen point three K per nine last year, and now he's got that Cleveland job all to himself. They've really kind of chopped saves up a little bit in Cleveland, and they have had that weird thing where they don't get a lot of save opportunities. I don't think that's a strategy thing. Like I don't the the chopping them up is definitely a strategy thing, but they don't have anybody there to really challenge him. So I'm I'm gonna go with Han. I think he gets forty saves this year. I would honestly say they didn't really chop it up until last year because Cody Allen just wasn't that good. Like Cody Allen pretty much always had the job. Miller would get an occasional save, but I think that bodes very well for Brad Hand. Like you're right, he's he's the guy. Three straight seasons with a sub three ERA and his K rate thirteen point three last year took a nice little leap. Uh, did you say that? I said both of those things. Well, I knew you said the three, ERA. Three I didn't straight, know, three straight I didn't know years of sub three ERA. I didn't know you said the, the K rate. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> Did you say that his hit rate, 6.5 last year? No. Okay, good. Bust. Heath, give me a bust. I'm trying to look at ADP here because it's really – like I'll give you the bust. I think it's Edwin Diaz. And it's just because of how much further ahead of the rest of that group he's being drafted. I, last time I looked, he had a late fourth, early fifth ADP, and everybody else was going in the seventh. I don't have any interest in paying that much for any closer – I think it's very unlikely that he's the number one closer again this year, and he's being drafted as if it's a surefire thing. I'm fine with ranking Edwin Diaz as the number one closer. I think that makes sense in a lot of regards. But if it should be as just barely better than that group of elite closers. He's not going to save 57 games again. I, I'll go with Edwin Diaz. It's kind of the same argument in football as the Jacksonville defense being a bust last year. Yep, there you go. So Scott. disappointment more than bust. Probably, right? Well, if you spend a fourth-round pick on him, then he's the number six closer this year. I think that's a bust. Okay, Scott, who's your bust? So I'm worried Kenley Jansen's just going to completely bottom out. He's my bust pick. I I have not drafted him anywhere. I skip him when it gets to that part of the closer rankings. He obviously wasn't healthy last season. He was, you know, he had the heart issue he was dealing with, but I don't think that Totally explains the diminished stuff in terms of velocity being down, strikeouts way down, swinging strike rate way down. Uh, he was able to salvage his season as it went on, but not in a way that corrected all of those numbers, more in a way that corrected ERA. And if it continues, if if this is start of a downward spiral as opposed to just then this is now the new normal, um, I this this could this. I don't see this ending well, yeah. and maybe as soon as this year. I'm totally on the fence there because I, I get that. He had a 19% swinging strike rate in, in the postseason. You know, he finished strong. Um, no, he, he finished poorly. Is, 19, 19, okay, 19% swinging. I, I assume great. that's Fangraph swinging strike rate, right? Uh, baseball reference, but I think it's the same. 
Well, it's not. I'm pretty no, sure. No, it's, it's the same. Believe it or not, it's the Maybe. same if you look at the game logs and do a, yeah. you know, from yeah. this point. It's to this the point. same on game logs. You're right. Um, uh, but if you're if you're just sorting by just like league leaders, yeah, that's just the postseason. He he's changing his off season spring training. Uh, you know, uh, his his routine. Excuse me. To try to get better results, but I see, I see the problem. You know, the, what really scares me is that he's pitched in six straight postseasons. It's a lot of work for him, um, and I don't think you have to draft him because if you feel better about other guys going in that range, like Chapman or Kimbrel or Ozuna or Trinan, they're all going right around the same time as Kenley Jansen. So I don't think you're stuck drafting him. Okay, I'm going to give a bust and a sleeper on the same team. Bust away Davis, sleeper Senwano. And I'll draft okay. Wade Davis. I'll draft him, but it's getting a little worse. I find myself getting a lot of shares of Wade Davis. I think he's pretty safe. The ERA was kind of inflated last year, but that's that's what happens at Coors Field sometimes. It only takes a couple bad outings to really leave a crooked number there for a reliever. Otherwise, I think Wade Davis did a fine job in his first season as Rockies closer, and they're paying him too much. And I don't think Sunwano—I don't think Sunwano is nearly as good, to be honest. Okay, yeah, it, it would be more of like Davis. Man, Scott hates you. Sixty-seven percent strand rate for Wade Davis, very low. <laughs> it's not a great—it's not a great bus call. It's not a great bus call. But one of these guys, like, no, I get it. I get it. You're probably not the only one calling him a bust. I just—I'm—I'm I'm happy to take him at the discount because I think the saves will be there. Okay. So let's talk ADP. I know we're really late in the show to start doing ADP, but uh, we've talked about a lot of guys. So Edwin Diaz, 48th overall. Blake Trinan, 62nd overall. That's the beginning of round six in a 12-team league. And once Trinan comes off the board, we have Trinan, Kimbrell, Jansen, Chapman within 10 picks. Trinan, Kimbrell, Jansen, and Chapman. How many of them are you concerned about performance-wise? Or health wise, like how Just, many of them are you are you nervous about drafting in round six? Um, Jansen for sure. Well, in round six, I want to take any of them, but Jansen for sure. Chapman always, I think, has a li- is a little bit of a health concern, and I'm worried. I'm a little worried about Kimbrel. The fact he hasn't signed yet. How much longer is this going to go on? I'm just afraid of another Greg Holland situation where he waits too long, doesn't have enough time to get ready. And particularly since we've seen him have bouts of wildness in the past and just having a, a really hard time getting going, Kimbrell. I, I'll go ahead and just throw the other name in there. I'm a, I'm a little worried about Trinan. He was phenomenal last year. But he's also 31 years old and was completely different in virtually every way than he's ever been before last year. I mean, he, he was a guy every year of his career before last year below 9K per 9. Yeah. Every year of his career, he was, except for 15 games in 2014, he was three walks per nine or more. And all of a sudden, he's just a world beater. And it's like we talk about with relief pitchers. That was an 80-inning sample size. Yeah, it started, Trident is similar to Kirby Yates in that it started late in 2017. Yates started throwing a splitter in September of 2017. And since then, he has been awesome. Uh, Trinan. He got traded to Oakland. I don't know what changed at that point, but he had a 5.73 ERA with Washington. The second he got to Oakland, 2.13 ERA, and he did have a strikeout per inning, 42 Ks in 38 innings. Last year, you know, .780 ERA. <laughs> he was actually the number but one he, closer. But, but even that 2017 in Oakland, it was 42 strikeouts in 38 innings. That's a pretty big difference from 100 strikeouts in oh, 80, 80 oh, innings. Yeah, yeah. No, he he was a lot better last year. But but um, but I guess he yeah. just sort of started. I, uh, I don't know exactly what changed for him either. I mean, his his uh, he was good in sinker, 2016. I just wanted to say that. Go ahead. His sinker, he throws a sinker that approaches 100 miles per hour and gets a lot of movement, and it's considered one of the nastiest pitches in baseball. I don't know why it wasn't before last year. It's it's certainly. I mean, you you see it. You you can understand why nobody can hit it. Uh, I don't know what exactly changed. If he just started commanding it better, I I, I honestly don't know. But it's it's hard to look at the numbers he put up, and it's hard to watch him pitch and think this might not be sustainable. Like he looks, he looks as good as the numbers. Well, yeah, he did last year. Well, yes. Yeah, so Trinan, Kimbrel, Jansen, Chapman. 
Round six pick is a pretty significant investment. Are you in on this group? Or do you want to... You said round seven's the earliest you'll take them. I'll take the one that goes last. Yeah, it's like we have concerns about them, but you could have concerns about like every player. They're still attractive to draft. Like, where's Brad Hand going? Brad Hand is going... Um, sorry, I will look. It's not in my notes, so I will look on Fantasy Pros right now. Hand is going uh, not long after, 82nd overall. So like an, I, another I'd rather round. have Hand at 82nd than any of those guys there. Okay. All right, so after after those guys, it is Osuna and and Hand and Felipe Vasquez. Yeah. Six, seven, and eight off the board. Ozuna, Hand, and Vasquez. We haven't really talked about Vasquez. He's pretty good. Um, Pirates were better than expected last year. But, yeah, how do you feel about them? Uh, maybe maybe we shouldn't focus too hard on where they're going in ADP since we just feel like these closers are going a little early based on what I, you guys I like. I like all of them. I think Hand, I think Ozuna may be going a little bit late. I think Hand's going right about where he should. Um, I I think that they're all three going to be very, very good this year. You're not concerned, Heath, about the lower K rate for Roberto Ozuna? 7.6 after 10.0 and 11.7 the years before. I'm really not. It was, I mean, a weird year for obvious reasons for Ozuna, and he got a late start on the year. I, I'm not particularly concerned about it. Okay. Scott, did you want to weigh in on those three? They were Ozuna, Hand, and Vasquez, 6, 7, and 8 off the board. I have very few concerns about any of them in terms of retaining their job and getting saves. So yeah. they, they feel like, you know, if you, if you don't get one of the elites at a good value, they feel like fine, number one options. Yeah. Okay, so nine and beyond. Uh, we'll go nine through 12. Rysel Iglesias, Josh Hader, Sean Doolittle, and Wade Davis. Rysel Iglesias, Josh Hader, Sean Doolittle, and Wade Davis. <laughs> Sean Doolittle is the one I don't understand. <laughs> I do. His his numbers are elite. Yeah, he's had health issues. That's it. That's it. But not any like you know it, it's you know so has a role as Chapman. Chapman, you know, and yeah, and Doolittle um, had a broken foot, right? Like Chapman has right. recurring knee issues. So I get it, man. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like I have Doolittle as my number six reliever. Uh, just I have him behind the big four. Well, I mean, I know it's different for Heath and I, but I consider the big four to be Diaz, Trine, and Kimbrel, Chapman. And then there's Jansen, and then there's Doolittle for me. And I feel like if he stays healthy, he could be, he could be the number one closer in baseball. Is Washington? Is do you think Washington is like a you know eighty five plus win team? Yeah, I'm not so sure. I mean, it's it's going to be tough to to figure out how I how the the AL East uh, finishes this year to predict. The top three are really tough, and I think four and five are pretty easy. Who was for? The Braves. Okay. Oh, the NL East. I thought you said the AL East. Yeah. Sorry. Um, um, I don't think it's that simple. Of course, I am the Braves fan. You think So you're that confident the Braves will finish fourth? I, I think I, maybe they'll be better than the Mets. I think the, the Nationals and Phillies are both quite a bit better. I think the Nationals are fourth. Well, I mean, the thing <laughs> is, the Nationals on paper are worse than last year. Right? Yeah. I mean, they traded out Harper for Corbin. All right, so that's, hey, that's, let, let, uh, sorry, let me speed it up go. here. Yeah, yeah um, we're getting sidetracked. Yeah, all right, so uh, so Doolittle, 11th off the board. Iglesias, Hayter, Doolittle, Davis, that was the range. That goes from 97th overall to 118th overall. Any beef here? Anybody you're excited about? Anybody you're not excited about? Um... Gosh, I just don't really. think, I, I just don't think I'm Doolittle. drafting Hayter this early when there's still saves on the board. Yeah, I get that. I I'm not. I don't. Ha- I think this is the right range for a hater to go in. Uh, I don't ever draft him though. But right, exactly. I don't ever draft him either. I would. I would rather wait a little longer and get Yates or Leclerc. I'm much more likely to draft hater in a head-to-head categories league. Yeah. Okay. So then, after Wade Davis at 118th overall, we get to 120th overall. Kirby Yates, Jose Leclerc, 120th and 121st. I prefer Yates. But they're they're both fine closer options, and this is about the right range. 
Now we're 14 in, and you guys definitely want to have one of these guys. We're actually really 13 in if you count if you don't count Josh Hader. 13 right. closers. And then Ken Giles is next at 135th overall. And, and I don't like counting him because I have so little faith. Right. Cody Allen comes up in a few spots. Love it. We're basically, I will count Cody Allen. We're basically out of like set closers at this point. 140 picks in. Yep. Uh, so we definitely want one <laughs> and maybe two at this point. But then, okay, so Ken Giles. Heath, how do you feel about Ken Giles? I am concerned. I mean, he's my number 19 relief pitcher in Roto right now, and that's behind a couple of sparks, so he's probably more like 16 or 17. But I don't feel good about it. Okay, then we have Corey Knable. A lot of potential there, 145th overall, but that is pretty high in the draft. So if he doesn't get, if he's not the closer, mm-hmm. might disappoint I, you. If any of the Brewers relievers are their full time closer, they're top five. Yeah, you know, Knable was my number four heading into last year. Um, okay, then Jose Alvarado. Too soon. Archie Bradley. Definitely too soon because I don't think he's going to win the job. Though if he does, he's probably the only guy getting saves. They are terrible, though, aren't they? The Diamondbacks? That's too strong. No, they're not terrible at all. They have a, they have a, a good dreadful lineup. I don't think so. It's 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 not a good lineup. They lost Pollock they have, and Goldschmidt. They have, they have a pretty good starting rotation. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think I think they'll be below 500, but I don't think they're going to be, you know falling short of 70 wins or anything like that. Okay. It's a bad lineup. I wouldn't call it dreadful. Uh, uh, um, all right, so, so Scott, why is Arotis Vizcaino not the closer, and how likely is it that he will be the closer? I don't think it's very likely he will be the closer. I think I think if anybody's going to be the undisputed, clo- undisputed closer for the Braves, it's more likely to be because they're passing the torch to Minter. Than because, um, because they want Vizcaino to have it. They really like AJ Minter, and they've never been totally warm on Vizcaino in the role. Vizcaino has health issues. They had about the same number of saves last year because Vizcaino missed some time. Uh, and just the fact that it's a lefty-righty thing, I think, makes it pretty easy for Snitker to say, "Okay, some days it'll be Minter, some days it'll be Vizcaino." So, who would you rather draft? Forget about ADP. Who would you rather draft, Vizcaino or Minter? I, I would rather draft Vizcaino because he's the righty. And so in a split situation, he would get the majority. But he is... If if he's my second closer, I don't feel good about it. Heath, how do you feel about drafting both Brandon Morrow and Pedro Strope? They're both going about 230th overall. Not great. I'd rather... I, I don't think somebody's going to draft Morrow and then hold on to him through the entire time it takes for him to get ready to take this job away from Strope, so I'd rather just draft Strope and then pick up Morrow when they drop him. But you just put him on the DL, that's all. And then he comes back and maybe he's the closer. Yeah, I... And I, I don't... There are certain players that I am pretty keen on the whole draft and stash on the DL thing. Brandon Morrow is not that caliber of player. What really? I mean, the last two years he's been awesome. I, mean, I don't want to draft. I don't want to draft. I, I've said the same thing about GD Gregorius. Yeah, but but I don't think Morrow's out till the All Star break. I mean, he could be out a month. All right, fine. You know what? If you feel that way, then honestly, like Pedro Strope at two thirty three is a huge value. I kind of feel that way. Yeah, uh, it could be just a month for Morrow, but I I feel like it's a timetable that could continue to grow. Uh, how do you feel about? Okay, Michael Gibbons. I'm just going to read the closers who are coming off the board now. Jordan Hicks, uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jordan Hicks, Minter, Morrow and Strope, Michael Gibbons, Colome, Jeffress, Shane Green, Steckenrider. I think Jeffress is a value, and Colome probably too. You think, do you guys feel who's going to win that job for the White Sox? Colome. Colome. I mean, Herrera's still recovering from injury, so that I think makes it pretty clear. And then uh, just 41st off the board, Matt Barnes, and then Brazier later. I mean, you want to talk about taking two guys? It's not that expensive right now to take Barnes and Brazier uh, and just see who wins the job. I, I think the the report that Barnes is the favorite kind of caught people by surprise, so maybe we haven't seen that ADP adjust yet. I feel really good about Barnes. I know you don't, Adam, but 
when I took a closer look at the numbers, the things I thought were bad about him weren't as bad as I thought. And the things that I thought were good, I underestimated. I think he could be a, a really good closer. Yeah, I, I like guys, I guess, with um, better control. It just seems like it's easy for things to go wrong when you're walk-prone. Uh, he's never had an ERA below 365 or a whip below 122, but it does seem like Barnes is getting better. And, uh, all right, what else we got? I know we're going real long here, but... Yeah, we got an auction ready. Oh, go, crap. So okay. Thanks for that. All right, we'll finish up. <laughs> well, there's Will Smith. He's like an afterthought. He's the 60th reliever off the board. Blake Park is I, six, Blake Parker 61st. Among full-time relievers, I think I have this stat right, FIP, uh, Smith had the fourth best FIP among all relievers. So wow. it'd be great if he's a closer, even on a bad team, but that Melanson thing is annoying. Yeah, Willie Peralt. Like, Melanson. God, it just feels like Melanson's time is done. These are good. These are good options. What are you going to lose if you if you take these guys late? I'm not sure that we're going to say that you should make your draft yeah. strategy to just take all of the iffy closers late. No, because no, you, you have to use seven roster spots. <laughs> so I, I I do invest in Will Smith a lot because in in a categories league, if he's not the closer, he's the guy who had the fourth best fit last year. So he's still a good player to have in your lineup. And in a points league, if he's not the closer, well. There's probably someone else who is on the waiver wire. Right. Exactly. Okay. Any other final thoughts? Nope. Go go enjoy your auction. All right. All right. I'm sorry I kept you. Greg Holland. No, it's a okay. 64th off the board. Sleeper. The podcast comes first, Adam. The it's only 10 minutes. It's only 10 first. minutes late. 11 minutes late. All right. For Heath and Scott, I am Adam. Uh, we will come back on Monday, 8.30 in the morning. Podcast should be out by no later than 10.30 in the morning, East time, Eastern time. And have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.